So let's uh, begin to read in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. This is a, I, I love this passage of Scripture, I really do. Paul says, not, all, not, not that I have already attained, he, he's given all of his credentials, right, his, his pedigree, and he says, not that I have already attained, or I'm already perfected, but I press on. Everybody say, press on. That I may lay hold. Everybody say, lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold on me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press, everybody say press, toward the goal for the prize of the, I love this word, upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us as many as are mature have this mind. And if anything you think otherwise, if, if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us have, let, let us, I'm sorry, be of the same mind. Uh, in verse 15, he says, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. I want to talk to you about the mindset of the mature. I'm going to go through several, several thoughts here in this, in this passage but I want to talk to you about the mindset of the mature. We're going to start with pressing. I, I, I press, right? I, I, I haven't attained yet, so I'm, I'm pressing that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. This, this idea of pressing means to run swiftly in order to catch a person, to pursue someone. That, that's the idea here. Have you, have you ever pursued someone? Have, anybody ever been in a race? And somebody's been ahead of you and you were trying to run them down? I, I was in a race like that one time. It was the, the summer of 1993. I, I was a hurdler. And my, my hurdle, I don't know if y'all remember Pastor Sam Walker. My, my hurdle stories are not as good as Pastor Sam Walker's. I mean, that, that, that man has some hurdling stories. But I, I was a hurdler all through high school. I, I didn't start until my freshman year in high school. And I, I fell in love with hurdling. Um, and I began to, to, to grow as a, as a hurdler through my freshman year. And by the end of the track season, my coach thought I was, my times had bumped up enough to where I could actually compete at the varsity level. So I, I ran at, at the varsity, uh, the district meet as a, as a freshman uh, hurdler. And I started out at the beginning of the season running times in the 16s. And I, I was four-stepping. That means I took four steps between every hurdle. But if you're really gonna be a good hurdle, you have to do three steps. It's three steps between every hurdle, so you're, you're always leading with your, your strong leg. And that's when you really build your time. So I, I developed that technique, got to the point where I could run with three steps, and I, I got my times down into the 15s. And so I ran all through high school as, as a hurdler. And the summer between my junior and senior year, 1993, I, I, went to, I, I ran summer track, and I went to a meet, AAU uh, track meet, and I, I ran against a, a guy named Kurt Young. And Kurt Young, that day, he broke the national record for hurdles. He ran 13, I think I'm running 16s, 15s. He ran in 13.65. I 
I, I had not cleared the last hurdle when he broke the finish tape. That's how fast he was. And I thought, man, I didn't run very well today. But when I, when I got the, the timer approached me with my time, I actually ran a personal best that day. I broke that 15-second second barrier. I ran a 14-9, the fastest time I had ever run. And pursuing Kurt Young made me run faster. The fastest hurdler, and, and that today's, that record stands, 14.65. You can go look up Kurt Young, 14.65. It's the national record for AAU that he set. That record still stands today. But when you're pursuing someone, sometimes it will cause you to break through. That's what it did for me that day. I, I, I went on and I, I, I ran consistently from that point on. I ran consistently in the 14s. I actually set my high school record and, and ran a 14.2. It was my fastest time ever. That was my, my high school record. But it was because I was pursuing someone. Sometimes pursuing somebody will cause you to get better. It will cause you to do things you did not know that you could do. And that, that's the, this idea here of pursuing. It's it, pressing. It, 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 there, there's, there's fortitude behind this. There, there's grit behind this. There's determination behind this. There's doggedness behind this idea of pursuing. We are in pursuit. How many of you want to be after Jesus? I want to be like Jesus, like Roscoe Pico train and Flash pursuing the Dukes of Hazard. You remember that? We're in hot pursuit. We're in a hot pursuit. How many of you remember that? I, I want to be in pursuit of Jesus. Amen? And he says that this pursuit is really about the fact that Jesus has apprehended me and I'm pursuing to apprehend him. There's a, in that terminology of apprehension, it's really like an idea of romance. Like, guys, how many of you have ever been after a woman, right? You, you pursued her. I mean, like, you, you made effort. I mean, you, you, you took a shower, right? You, you shaved. You made effort. You, you went and bought her a gift. You, you know, you, you passed a note to her, and you pursued her. You romanced her, right? You were after her. And how many of you know what it is for her to begin to pursue you when she begins to return that? That's this idea here. It's this romance. Christ has pursued me, and now I am pursuing him. He has apprehended me, and now I want to apprehend. And the, word, the idea here is to lay hold of. Jesus has laid hold of us, and now we are pursuing that we might lay hold of him. That's the idea. And he says, in order to do this, he says, I'm pursuing that I might apprehend. And he says, here's, here's how, how it happens. One thing, he says, I forget those things which are behind me, and I reach forward to the things that are ahead. Now, the idea, the main focus there is the reaching ahead. But in order to do that, you notice that he had to stop looking behind. There's no future in the past. If you're not careful, you'll get in an accident if you constantly look in your rearview mirror. I remember when I was working at the ranch, my cousin and I, we, we went to the feed store, and we, uh, then, then we went to eat, and we were driving through this, this little town down the main street, and there were all these stoplights on this main street, and, we're, we're, and this is in the Texas heat. You know how hot it was? It got so hot. This is August. It got so hot that my rearview mirror, the glue melted, and it fell off as we're driving down the road. That's how hot it was in Texas. And my cousin and I, we were laughing at it, and I was holding it up like this while I was driving and looking at it. And the next thing I know, my cousin shouts at me, watch out! And I just had to slam my brakes on because we were about to go through that red light. If you're looking back, something bad's going to happen. If our eyes are set backwards, it doesn't end well. We've got to set our gaze forward. He talks about moving 
forward. And the thing that I like about this, this idea of moving forward, not only does it say we're moving forward, he says, I'm pursuing the upward call of Christ Jesus. We're moving forward and upward, forward and upward, forward and upward. That's how this journey that we're living out is supposed to be. We're supposed to be moving from faith to faith and from victory to victory. Amen? We're, we're maturing. We're growing. We're, we're on a conquest. Uh, you're not just here to take up space. You're not here just to occupy a seat in, in a Sunday morning church service. We are here to, to occupy, to, to advance, right? To, to pursue and see the kingdom of God unfold and to grab hold of the things of, of, of God's kingdom. John, John said the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent are pressing their way into it. There, there, there's got to be a press in, in our Christian walk. There, there's got to be a pursuit. We are moving forward. God is a God of progression. God is a God who's advancing. God is a God who is always doing something. The Bible says of our God that he neither sleeps nor slumbers. Our God is active. You're, you're breathing this morning and you've already forgotten that. You can't see that. You may not be aware of that, but you are breathing. And similarly, you, you may not be aware of the fact that God is moving, but God indeed is moving. He's active. Amen. He's working. We, we need to be aware of that. He's moving. He's a God of movements. He's a God of momentum. The, the, to the increase of his government, there's no end. The, the kingdom of God is advancing. Amen. God is on the move throughout all of the earth. We, we need to be aware of that. And we as a people need to be a people who are on the move. Amen. And in order to do that, we've got to forget the past. Some of us are hostages of our past. We're bound by our failures. We're, we're bound by the times that we've missed the mark, that we have sinned, that we have let, let God down, that we have let our families down, we've let ourselves down. We have found our lives in ruins because of decisions that we've made, and we get stuck in that regret, right? Reproach, shame, guilt, and we get trapped in that, and so we're unable to move forward. Some of you are, are held forward by, are held frozen because of, of offense. You're stuck. And you're holding on to something that somebody did to you 10, 15, 20, 25 years ago. Somebody abused me. Somebody was mean to me. Somebody was harsh and cruel, unkind to me. Somebody manipulated me. Somebody stole from me, whatever it was. Somebody lied to me and broke my heart. And you're stuck in that past, unable to move forward. Other, others of us in this room, and, and, and by the way, we need to be careful. We, 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 in our human nature, we're really good at this. We, we, we become MVPs of the victimization. Right? We, we, I mean, we hold up our trophies. So-and-so abused me 20 years ago. So-and-so did this to me 20 years ago. And we hold those trophies. We're proud of it. Throw them down. Cast them down. And begin to run the race that's set before you. Amen? Those, those trophies are not, don't revel in, in your hurts. Don't, don't glory in it. We, 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 for whatever reason, we human beings love to glory in how bad we've been hurt. All the bad things that happened to us. We wear them like badges. Forget about it. Right? And that what he says? I forget what's behind me. I forget all of my mistakes. I forget everybody who used me and abused me and, and, and let me down. I forget about it so I can move forward. Some of you cannot move forward because you're trapped in a, in a past of hurt and regret. regret. And then there's a whole other crowd. We're, we're stuck 
in our victories of the past. Right? How many, how many of you have ever heard him talking about the good old days? Here's my opinion. Those were not the good old days. The days that are ahead are better than the days that are behind. I believe that. My future is bigger than my past. God's got plans. He's got, he's got a hope for me. He's got a, an expected plan and future that he has designed for me. And I want to embrace that and live that out with everything that's on the inside of me. Let's forget the past. Whether it be failure, whether it be offense, whether it, become, whether, whether it be victories and things that you did, stop getting trapped in your past. If we're not careful, we end up worshiping memories. Oh, those are the glory days. Oh, do you remember how awesome it was when Sister Linda played the organ? Those were the days. Remember the days when the, the, the preachers used to buck and shout and spit? Those were real preachers, right? People stuck in old days and old ways. No, God is doing a new thing. God is always doing a new thing. And I want to embrace the new thing that God is doing and move forward with him by the leading of his Holy Spirit, by the empowerment of his Holy Spirit. We are going forward into the plan and purpose that God has designed for us, and we're not going to get trapped in our past. My father-in-law talks about monument mentality. A monument mentality. Back in World War II, after World War II, the, uh, the Germans bombed out a lot of London and a lot of, of the UK. And so the government built temporary housing. Temporary housing. And it was only supposed to be for a couple of years until the new houses were built. Well, guess what? There are still people today living in the temporary housing. They got stuck in it. How many of us get stuck in temporary housing? How many of us get stuck in seasons that God meant for us to pass through? We get stuck in those things and it, 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 it hinders us and inhibits us from accomplishing the things that God wants us to accomplish. It, it hinders us from living the life that God wants us to live. Don't be a hostage to your past. Your past, you need to hear this, was not as bad as you think it was. And then some of you need to hear this. Your past was not as good as you think it was. Move on. Move on. God wants to lead you forward. He wants to lead you forward, and he wants to lead you upward. In verse 13, he uses that word forward. I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting what's behind. I'm pressing forward. And then in, in verse uh, 14, he talks about the upward call of God, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. How many of you know you're called with a high call? Amen? And by the way, your calling is not a destination. I didn't arrive at my call the day they put some kind of title on my name. I didn't arrive at my call the day that a church hired me. I didn't arrive at my call as soon as I got a certain amount of followers. I didn't arrive at my call at a certain level of achievement. I'm moving towards the high call of God, the upward call of God. All of us, every, and by the way, you, you, if you don't know this, you are called of God. At youth camp, when I was a kid, the preachers used to get up and say, God's going to call some of you this week. God's going to call some of you this week. I say, why just some? Every child of God has a call upon their life. Amen? Our goal should be help young people realize the call of God that's on their life. 
Amen? And to, to equip that, to, to strengthen that, to, to help them and encourage that. That ought to be our purpose with young people, right? Because they're all called of God. You're called of God. You're called with a high calling. And I say this often, but how, how do we respond to that? We, learn, we, we have to learn how to walk low. I heard somebody say it this way this week, that you, you, you need to walk so, so low that you don't even cast a shadow. Learn to walk low. Learn to walk in humility. Because you've been called with a high calling, a call that comes from God. And the call of God, it's, it's, it's not a destination. It's not an office. It's not a position. It's not being in some kind of a program. You know what? The, the call of God is this voice. It's literally the voice of God. It's, it's the Holy Spirit, and he's out in front of us, and he's beckoning unto us. Come, come forward. Come forward. Move this way. God is leading us and guiding us and directing us and ordering our steps. God calls us. He speaks to us. How many of you know we can hear his voice? Amen. We can hear his voice. Clean your ears out. Listen. Be attentive. Say, God, speak to me. Prompt me. Lead me. Guide me. I need to hear your voice. I need to know what you're, when you wake up in the morning, Lord, what is your plan for this day? I mean, I, I write before I go to bed and when I wake up in the morning, I have to-do lists. I, I do it at night when I go to bed. I look at it again in the morning. I revise it. But you know what? Our, our to-do lists, our programs, our agendas, our calendars should really set our, cal our schedule. God should lead our day. God should guide us. Right? Are you, are you pursuing the call of God? Are you following the, the beckoning of God? Are you, can you hear the deep calling out to deep, that his spirit is on the inside of you, and he's drawing your spirit to move forward into the purposes that he has for you? That's the call of God. Kind of like Bugs Bunny on that donkey with the, the fishing pole and the carrot. And the donkey, the donkey was going like that, right? How many of you have seen that? That's what we are. We, we, we ought to look like that, pursuing the call of God. Amen? It, it, it's out in front of us constantly. I, the call of God will not be fulfilled to the day I, I breathe my last breath. Pastor, when are you going to retire? Never. Never. Now, hopefully there's a day that comes when I, when I get to the point of irrelevance where I transition and somebody else comes and pastors the church. But I will never retire from ministry. We, we, we watched uh, Brother Archie Alderson. Archie Alderson who spent 60 years of his life as a missionary to Japan, 93 years old, his wife passed this year. Guess where Brother Archie's going next month? Back to Japan to do the work that God's called him to do. 93 years old. That's a man who understands the call of God. He's pursuing the call of God. He's giving his entire life. He's moving forward that, in that. And we're, I'm now getting to the point where I really want to focus today. I really want to focus on this. In verse 15 of this passage that we read, the Apostle Paul says, let, as, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. In other words, a mature believer is a believer who's forgetting what's behind and pressing forward for the prize and the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That's what a mature believer is. The mindset of those who are mature is an attitude that persistently presses forward and upward, not considering what's behind. Stride for stride, we are running for the prize 
that is in Christ Jesus. That's what a mature believer looks like. See, maturity has nothing to do with age. Maturity has nothing to do with age. Those of you that were at, at summer camp, you, you met a young man named Connor Blackerby. He, he actually preached to our youth this summer. 23 years old. Maturity beyond his years. You see, m- maturity doesn't have anything to do with age. And l- listen, if you're young in this place, say, hear this. You're never too young to be great. You are never too young to do a work for God. You're never too young to serve. You're never too young to be great. And if you're old, you're never too old to get better. You're never too old to do greater things for God. You're never too old to serve. You're never irrelevant. You never need to be put out to pasture. Amen? We all have a purpose in God's kingdom. Every single one of us. As long as there's breath in your, in your lungs, keep living for the purpose of God. Maturity. When I think about maturity, maturity speaks to me about the necessity for transformation. We, if we don't change, we don't mature. How many of you have been around here long enough to figure out that I'm imperfect? Put your hand down. Come to the altar for prayer at the end of this. You all realize it. Is there anybody that knows anybody in this room that's perfect? None of us are perfect. But we ought to be transforming. That per- perfection is not about, or maturity is not about perfection. It's about transformation. We are growing. We're growing. I, I like what Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 15. He says, meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress, your progress may be evident to all. See, I'm, I'm sure that the, the, the folks that Timothy had a chance to pastor and minister to understood that Timothy was imperfect. But Paul said, let them see your progress. Let them see your progress. I, sp- I spoke to some pastors this, this past week, and, and I told them, stop pretending you're perfect in front of your people. They already know. Some, some, some pastors have been pretending to be perfect for 25 years, and they haven't changed for 25 years because they are righteous, and they've got it together in the ultimate example of what it means to follow Jesus. The people that you're leading, and you are leading people, whether you like that or not, you're leading somebody. Some of you are leading children. Some of you are leading your coworkers. Some of you are leading your family. You're leading someone. And, and your, your, your family knows you're not perfect. Your boss knows you're not perfect. Your friends know you're not perfect. You know what? They need to see your progress. That day by day, week by week, month by month, and year by year, you're growing in Christ. That speaks volumes. When they see the trans, I'm not the same guy I was 25 years ago. The one my wife talked about, you're going to be a bump on a bar stool the rest of your life. That's not me. I'm progressing. I'm maturing. I'm growing, right? In a race, 
If you're going to run a race and if you're going to run to win, you've got to train. Right. Why? Because you've, your body has to change. Your flabby muscles have got to be strengthened. Right? You, you've got to build. There, there's two different. There's fast twitch and slow twitch muscles. If you're going to be in a race, especially if you're, if you're a long runner, a long distance runner, you've got to build both your fast and your slow twitch muscles, muscle groups. Why? You've got to build strength and speed. You also have to build endurance. Right? And so we've got to train. train. And by the way, let me just back up. We, we talked about it earlier in the service. We, we've been through a lot of change lately. The world has changed. Business, you, you go into a restaurant, customer service is pathetic. Restaurants are having a hard time employing people, or businesses are having a hard time to employ people, right? Hours of business are changing because we, we, as we travel, we see this. There are areas they can't find people to work. Our economy has changed. Our politics have changed. But here, I want you to hear this. One of the greatest dangers for all of us is everything around us is changing and people around us are changing, but we are not changing. We've got to change. Every single one of us need to open up to change. I'm not talking about negative change. I'm not talking about conformity and fitting into the world. I'm not talking about that. But what you did to minister in 2018 is not going to work in 2022. That, that's why we need the Holy Spirit to discern what's needed for the day. God is moving. He has the plan and a purpose. He raises people up in every season, and we need to be those people. And we have to be willing to, we, we, let's not get set into molds and mindsets that hinder us from being fluid. Not, not fluid with the world, but fluid with the Spirit of God as he is leading us and directing us to minister in ways maybe you have never ministered, to live a life in a way maybe you have never lived before, to do something that has never been done for his glory and for his purpose. Don't get rigid. Don't get stuck. We, we need to grow. Right? We, we, if we're not careful, we get conformed to the lazy boy. Your body starts to take a certain shape because you're spending a certain amount of time with the lazy boy. But when you train, your body is reshaped you're strengthened, you're transformed because you're spending time with the equipment, right? We need that kind of change. We need growth. We need to develop an endurance. The apostle Paul and he, or whoever wrote Hebrews, some people would disagree. I think Paul did, but others disagree, and that's okay. Hebrews, the writer says this in Hebrews 12.1. Therefore, also, since we are surrounded by, by so great a cloud of witness, witnesses. And what, what does that mean, the witnesses? It, it's those who have run the race before. The chapter that precedes this, chapter 11 of Hebrews, talks about all those who faithfully ran the race of faith and endurance. By the way, if you've got faith, you will exhibit endurance. Patience. 
right? Endurance, resilience. If you've got faith, you will exhibit resilience, endurance. It's the mark of those who have faith. Faith produces in us endurance. Hebrews 11 is all those who patiently waited by faith, not having received the promises without us. They endured. They ran their leg of the race and they endured. It's like, it, because it, it, it's like a relay race, right? And now we have received the baton and it's our turn to race. They ran and they now have handed off the baton to us. And we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. They often talk about the grandstands in this picture. I like to think of those. When, when we were in track, once we handed the baton off, we would continue to run and we would continue to cheer the person that went in the next leg. We would shout at them from you, encouragement, go, go, faster, you got it. Catch him, right? And that, that's the picture here. We're surrounded by a, a, a cloud of witnesses. They're cheering us on. They're encouraging us. They're shouting on us. Come on, you can do this. You can make it. Hold out. Don't quit. Push. Press. Pursue. Keep going forward. We have been surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight. Hey, forget the things, right? Lay aside the weight. Forget those things that are behind you. The offense, lay it down. The hurt, lay it down. The failure, lay it down. Your victory, your, you, you can't run races with the trophies around your neck. It will slow you down. You may have won a gold medal last year. Take it off because it's going to hinder you from running. Put it down. Lay it off. Forget the things that are behind you. The sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance. Let us run with endurance. Let us run with endurance. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured, endured, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, we're in a race. And, and the writer said, if, if we're going to run, we've got to run to win. We've got to run to win. One, one of the, 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 the dangers in this life, in this race that we're running, is, is that there's a, 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 a reoccurring pressure that comes. If, you're, if you've ever run a long-distance race, you understand this pressure. It comes in two ways. The first way it comes is it, it, this pressure, like, I, I can't do this, I'm going to quit. The first pressure that we face is quitting. You know what the second pressure is? Settling. That guy's too fast, I'll never catch him. This race is too hard. So I'm, I'm just going to slow down a little bit. I'm going to coast and just be happy to get to the finish line. These two pressures, these two temptations come to every one of us. To quit and to settle. To quit and to settle. Here's what the Apostle Paul had to say to us as encouragement. Don't you, don't you, don't you realize, I'm sorry, that in a race everyone runs. But only one person gets the prize. So run to win. Run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. 
We do it for an eternal prize. We talked about suffering a few messages back. God allows hardship to come to us because it produces resilience in us. Job was a resilient man. You know what Job's friends said about Job? Here's what one of his friends said about him. Who is, who is this man, Job, who drinks scorning like water? Job became tough. He became gritty. He developed a resilience. They say that when you, when you look at the, the Navy SEALs, when they begin their training, those men go through that process, and really it's a process of elimination, but when they get into that process of training, that, that you look at these men and you think, that one's going to make it, and that one's going to make it, and this one's going to make it, but probably the rest of them won't. And then when they get into the training, when they get into the, to, to, to those trials, it's usually not the ones that look like they're going to make it that make it. It's a whole different crew. Why? Because resilience is not an external um, characteristic. Resilience, grit, doggedness, determination is internal. I did not have Kurt Young's speed. Kurt Young went, went, went on. He became a, uh, a part of the U.S. track team, the national track team. I, I never had that kind of strength. I wasn't born with that. You, you may not be born with the greatest skills, the greatest athletic ability. Maybe, maybe you, you weren't born with a family that could afford to send you to get a certain education. All of us face challenges in areas of gifting and ability. But every single one of us can make a determination to be resilient, to have grit. And you know what Paul said? He said, I've got this long pedigree, but none of this is what I'm leaning on. It's not because I'm smart. It's not because I'm spiritual. It's not because I was a Pharisee. It's not because I was a Benjamite. No, I, 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 all of that means nothing. This one thing that I do, I have determined to press, to press, push, to fight, to run, to stride for the mark of the high calling, the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. I'm forgetting what's behind me, forgetting all those pedigrees. I'm forgetting all the attacks that have come on my life. I'm forgetting all of that, and I'm moving forward. I'm going forward. That's what it's about. Some of you are on the verge of quitting. You're on the verge of quitting. But let me tell you, you're, you're like the man who had swam three quarters of the way of the, across the lake. And he started to feel like he wasn't going to be able to make it. And so he turned around and swam back. Don't quit. Keep pressing. Be resilient. Amen? Fight. Fight. The greater ones on the inside of you. You, you can overcome all the obstacles. Amen? This, is, this thing is set up. Everybody who leans into Jesus wins. Period. Everybody who leans in and relies on Jesus, everyone who presses for the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus wins. Amen? It's a setup, so don't give up. 
Keep pressing, keep pushing, keep going, keep fighting. Get a doggedness, get a fight, get a tenacity, build endurance, amen. All the hardships and all the things that you have encountered through this life have been preparation for this race that you're running. Keep running, you're going to make it your three quarters of the way. Don't look back, amen. Let's stand together. Don't quit. Here's spiritual truth right here. If you don't quit, you'll receive the prize. If you don't quit, you will receive the prize. That's the promise that Jesus himself gave. He who endures to the end, will receive the prize. Don't quit. Don't quit. Listen, you may be somebody in this room today that doesn't know Jesus. Jesus knows you. And he loves you. He loves you. He's crazy about you. I heard somebody say this and it's true. He's not mad at you, he's mad about you. Somebody needs to hear this. You think you're not worthy? That you've done so much that God can't forgive you? I want to say this, there is absolutely nothing standing between you and God. Because Jesus has taken it out of the way. The Bible said he took every writing of, of, of the ordinances that were against you. He took them out of the way and nailed them to his cross. We need to understand this, the wrath of God has been satisfied. For all those who are in Christ Jesus, there's forgiveness. God has done everything that needs to be done for your salvation. For the forgiveness of your sins. God has done it through his son Jesus Christ. What do we have to do? We have to be saved. We have to come to his son and receive that forgiveness. We have to repent of our sins. We have to turn from our sins. Turn from our sins, turn from the world, and turn to Jesus. It's that simple. It's that simple. If there's anybody in this building today that needs to do that, I'm going to give you a minute. I would love for you to come down to this altar. I would love to pray with you. I would love to help you to begin a relationship with Jesus. I'd love for you to be born again today. For a change to come to your life, a change to come to your heart that will transform you completely. I talked about transformation. You know, we, we train by exercise, we, we change by exercise. 
But there's a, there's, there's a, a, a change that only God can do, and it's by operation. He takes our old, hard hearts out and gives us a new heart that will beat with life. There's a transformation that only he can do. We need to be born again. If you need that, if you need salvation, if you need to experience the new birth, I want to open the altar up to you. Come down to this altar right now.